Hello, I'm Isaac Foster, intern here at the 908, and I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this episode of Shoot Your Shot includes some very vulgar, explicit language that you would not want to have in front of your children. Now remember, life is great in the 908. The name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Get that through your head! I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. I'll make it. You don't do that to a man. He's got a million dollar idea right here. Billion dollar idea. Even better, let him flow. Well, there's nothing like a cold one after a long day, huh? Here's to feeling good all the time. And now, from the 908 studio, this is Shoot Your Shot. Brought to you by 908, where life is great. Welcome back to the show. Shoot your shot. Paul Sutter, the chosen one. John Gersh, the boss man. John, I'm not rich, but I'm richer than I was. Good weekend. Went to Vegas this weekend. Well. Ah, not a big deal. Big big time partier. Actually, first time I've ever been to Vegas. Nice. Since I was 21. I used to go when I was younger, you know. Same. I actually haven't been to Vegas either since I've been 21. I uh, you, Well, you know me. I'm not a club guy. Same. I'm not going to go. Yeah jump around in a club and listen to crazy <laughs> look look at crazy lights and music and whatnot that's just not my scene and i still i it's amazing how people like that is their scene it doesn't like make, i feel like an oh, idiot no sense. yeah like like jumping up and down and like and like i don't even know uh, good for people who can just lose it and, and get in that scene i but, love that and you know they pay like four hundred dollars for a bottle of vodka yeah I, that's my, that bothers me the most. Yeah. It's like, how, like, I mean, I guess if you just had spending money, if our listeners would freaking Venmo us every once in a while, True. we would probably do the same thing. But like you could buy that same bottle at freaking CVS pop off for like 10 bucks and they got to pay 400. It's crazy. <laughs> but John, it, I did have a good time. I will say that it was packed. Vegas was packed. You wear your mask? Wear my mask. Cause I'm safe. Mm. It's because I'm safe. Uh, you can you don't have to drink with your mask on though, which is nice. You know Got what it. I mean? Like if I had a little cocktail or something, little uh, little uh, what do they call it? A little truly? You know what I mean? If I had one of those, you could take your mask off, take a sweat, okay. drop it. You know what the craziest part about Vegas is? If you're gambling, you get free drinks. Did you know that? I've heard that. I was just crushing I- Coors Lights. That's awesome. Well, I'm just on the blackjack table, wheeling and dealing, bro. You couldn't stop me, math guy. I was absolutely crushing it, just thinking. Well, first of all, it's not free drinks, free piss water. Yeah, true. Biggest craft beer guy of all yeah, time. I, now. I forgot, forgot about that. So, I forgot uh, about that. So, I'm glad they brought you free piss water. That's uh, that's great. So, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting dealt a king and an ace, blackjack, not a big deal. And then I got some nice lady tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, do you want anything? It's like, yeah, bring me my 17th Coors Light of the day. <laughs> you know, great. It's great stuff. That is good stuff. I like that. So what'd you do? What'd you win? Uh, Your boy, Westy. I know, he but he started hot, eh? Well. Put money on my boy, Ricky Fowler. Obviously had to. Put money on Rory McIlroy. He had a bad first day that Thursday, but he ended up battling to the end. Yeah. If he just would have not been off the worst golfer on the planet on Thursday, I would have hit a nice little bet. Well, like, $900 bet. I didn't bet $900, but I bet money right. to win $900. Does that make sense? I ended up just making money on blackjack. That was it. Nice. I mean, I bet I bet uh, money on some games. Who who made money for me? U of O, Oregon football, my squad. 
Who else? Uh, I bet on Cincinnati. Bang. Won me a bunch of money. And then somebody else, I forget. But I, I did I did okay. It was a fun time. And you know what, John? I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I would go. And I feel like even once this pandemic ends... Uh, you got to go with me, though. You can't, you can't be going with anybody else. I'll go with you. I think we're at the age where, like, we can, like very comfortably just say we're not going to the club like you know when when people went well first of all the main reason i've never been is because we are uh the leading coaches that's why we both never that's been. true that's everyone true. Always, our friends have gone the week after christmas look if you're a basketball coach you don't you don't go anywhere the week after christmas right. except to the gym to go win a tournament or in our case often lose big right, <laughs> but, right. but the bosco tournaments the week after christmas so that's why I've, i haven't been and we might be able to go this year. I think they were they used to club when they went go to clubs. But you're right. That's not me and you. But now we're a little older and we can say, "Look, even if you got to go to the club, I'm not going to the club." I think you're right. I think well, we're big enough names. We're Yeah. If we go to Vegas, people are going to know us, you know. We got a lot of listeners in Vegas because of our friend Kai Sisson who lives up in Reno. That's true. It's still the same state as Nevada. Kai the traffic guy. Yeah, exactly. So I think we we got big enough names. We have some pool where we don't have to do what anybody else does. Yeah, I like that. Speaking of Kyler Traffic Guy in Vegas, I, I mean, I got to bring this up. I sent a picture to you. Hooters is the most underrated restaurant in the United oh, States. I've been and it's not Hooters. close. Hooters is so good. It's the, a top three You sent me. I now I was a few glasses of wine in, but you sent me that picture of those fried pickles, and holy smokes, I was hungry. Let me tell you something about the fried pickles, John. We talk about them a lot. They were better than I remember. Yeah, and I think they always are because I think Hooters literally perfected the fried pickle. And I don't. Everyone like they're trying to say like, "Oh yeah, Hooters, great wings." It's like, yeah, they got great, great wings. So do a lot of places. No one has the fried pickles they have. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's the perfect amount of breading. It's the pickle to breading combo or combination. I'm, my mouth's watering. I want it, I want fried pickles yeah. right now. Yeah, and also. Uh, the dipping sauce. I don't know what the hell that dipping that sauce dipping is. That dipping sauce. Oh, I can taste it. Oh, it's delicious. Wow. And then you have a, you pop a few. You got like five, uh, 10. You pop 10 in your mouth real quick. And your stomach's nice and warmed up for a thousand wings you're about to crush. Got the Daytona flavor. And I got just the original. The original medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The medium. Mm-hmm. God, it was delicious. I haven't had wings in a minute. And you know what I did? So we got bone in, right? But I always have trouble. They always say, do you want regular or naked? I don't know what that means. You know, I don't know what that means. So I always tell the lady, to, I was smart enough. I was a little bit drunk too. I, di- I didn't feel embarrassed to not know what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the lady says, do, do you want naked or, or regular? And I said, well, what's the famous one? Mm. What's, what, are we, what is Hooters famous for? And they said, uh, breaded. Okay. They're famous for that Naked's one. Naked's no dry rub, I think, right? I forget. Something like that. I don't know. You know, we're a little older. We don't have to go to clubs, and we're not afraid to ask questions anymore. No, we're not. You know? And that's it's good. It's good to it's feel good. that way. I got one more thing, actually, while I was there. It's a quick grind. It's not a grind. I guess it's a grind my gears. So, oh, another thing. You ever, you ever been to Popeye's? Uh, no. You know how they always talk about that chicken sandwich and whatnot? Yeah, I've been wanting to try it. I tried it for the first time. How was it? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah? Yeah. I, there's a lot of talk and I was like, there's no way this chicken sandwich is that good, you know? Cause people were like, like punching people in the face for this sandwich. Right. Now I kind of understand why they're punching people in the face. It's, it's pretty, pretty good, damn huh? good. Yeah. yeah. Good. 
and there was a little food court. This, this is where it leads into my story. A little food court right outside. I stayed at the MGM Grand, not a big deal. Uh, cash, probably deep pockets, just throwing money around like it was my job. So I go to the food court. There's a Subway, Del Taco, Panda Express, Popeyes, Sabaro, 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 yeah, Sabaro. Yeah. I don't know how you say it. Uh, ended up going to Subway. It was like 10:30. Thought I'd eat fresh for a little bit because I've been pounding alcoholic beverages, whatever. Uh, so I got a sandwich. Here's a little psycho move for you. Got a sandwich at Subway, but I was like, you know what? I'm kind of hungry still. Then I went to Del Taco, had a couple of tacos. It was like Love 10.30 that. in the morning. Yeah, Love that. But there is no time in Vegas. There's no, I don't know if you know that. There's just... You, oh. Like there's... We're the time podcast. It, that's why it blew my mind for a little bit. <laughs> I'm a time guy, but there was no time there. Like it's just... It's, did you, it's light did, outside and dark outside. Did you sleep it. very little? Yeah. 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 I would always go to bed the latest, wake up about uh, 8, 8 to 8.30 is when I'd wake up. Uh, and then I would just go downstairs and start pounding again. I like that. It's a lifestyle. Do you feel all right? Uh, Sunday, I was miserable. Sunday, I was miserable. There's no question about that. Monday, I was back on the train. See, I've, I've learned my body can't handle too much, you know? So I mm. pounded Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I need that one day off. Yeah. Then I could have stayed another week. You're a big rest day guy. I need it. Yeah. See, the Lord rested, so so do I. You know mm. what I mean? So, what was I saying? Oh, Del Taco. This lady orders Del Taco, right? I don't know what her deal was. She's waiting in line, and she just keeps bothering the people that are working. Like, she's just waiting for her food, but she keeps just, like, asking where her food is. And it's like, hey, lady, they're making it. Like, it'll come. Like, don't worry, right? Yeah, it's Del Taco. It's Del Taco. It's fast and fresh, you know? And she, she's waiting, she's waiting, finally gets her food, and then walks away. Comes back 30 seconds later, goes to the lady who gave her her food and says, I, I just, I don't want this. I don't want this. So she gave the food back and just got her money back. <laughs> and I'm wondering, did this lady never have Del Taco before? Or like, did she think it was like some gourmet restaurant, which it is? But, like, I'm talking, like, El Torito. I'm mm. talking top of the line, John. El Torito. You know, those kind of Mexican spots. Uh, El Torito. <laughs> well, you know what? what? That can... Yeah, go ahead. Well, that's what I just didn't, I didn't understand. Like, wh what did you think you are getting? It's a fast food taco place. And she just was like, no, look at this. I don't want this. And she, But she kept her beverage. She sounds awful. I, it's just... Why do you, why do people have to be so miserable all the time? Yeah. Why couldn't she just battle and say, you know what? I'll eat this and just deal with it. Cause I made the decision to eat here. It's not the people that's working fault. I can tell you that they're out there grinding. They didn't make something specifically for her. That was bad. They they've made that burrito 8 million times in their life. I had the same one 25 <laughs> seconds later. They didn't mess it up. There's no one who knows what they're doing more than the Del Taco person making a burrito. I know. It's the same burrito every time. So I don't know what her deal was. I, I just, it made me mad. It made me mad in the moment. And then it, it helped me out. I should be thanking her, honestly. Because in that moment, I realized, hey, don't be a dick today. Mm. You know? Yeah. 
Just go. Yeah. Make sure you go out of your way to make people feel good about themselves and not so terrible like that lady. I it it blew my mind, John. You know what hit a nerve in me is when you just said El Torito. Remember, that's a that's a real good like holiday place to oh, go. Oh yeah. And the fact that we can't go is just a shame. I don't even know where the closest El Torito is. The fact that they took both of them out of Long Beach is a nightmare. Back in the day, doing that like, when, when did we, I, th- I think one day we got a liquid lunch there, but obviously oh, yeah. it just turned into like a seven-hour El Torito trip. Oh man, we used to have days there. Ugh. You wouldn't think to just party it up, a little darty season like, over at like a little Friday at like at two, and then and then you just you know have a few beers and are like, ah, maybe I'll have a few more. A nooner schooner, yeah. You know, we used a nooner schooner over there. Oh man, and then the, the nooner schooner would t- turn into seven o'clocker schooner. <laughs> We would start, we'd keep, people would keep meeting us and then leaving. Yeah. Good deals over there at El Good Torito. Good deals over there. Well. I think there's one over in Cerritos. That's out of my range. Well, we, you know what we could do? We could go noon, El Torito, straight to Saki Tumi mm. uh, for like a little six o'clock. A little all you can eat. A little all you can eat. That sounds like a good time. Well, I'm not going to sign up for, for a Cerritos day. Well, I could. A little staycation. That's not the worst idea. What I, if we all switch with people in Cerritos for one day? I like that. I like that. that Cerritos is not, isn't that, that's not that big of a city, right? No. Can't be. No, so all of the population of Long Beach is just going to fit in Cerritos? Oh, yeah. That's like New York. They got all you can eat sushi. They, they're not going to run out. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, what did you do this week? Anything sick that you want to that you want to? Well, if you're wondering why I was very drunk on Friday... Oh, good point. I forgot. You were sauced. I'm sorry I didn't respond, but I was also black, and I was crushing wings. Well, your boy was back in action playing piano at Marina Wine. Oh! Oh, yeah. Played a gig. I think I'm playing this Friday again. It, it's, that's a, that's an invite just to our listeners. Now, listen, it's a little different than it used to be. Okay. I'm inside playing piano. You're sitting at your table outside. We're COVID safe. Okay. You know, we're not, we're not frat housing with each other. But if you want to hear some good tunes, you can come on down. And as you know, I get free drinks when I do that. I know you do. So I know. And as you also know, I've never been really one to turn down a free drink. But when they're all free, let's just put it this way. I drink a lot. We were both make, getting free drinks on Friday. Yeah, that's true. That's tight. So I mean, were you, you just tickling the keys and whatnot? What was the deal? Tickling the keys. Uh, I think. I think the plan is. For outside? Well, their whole place is outside. Right, right, right. Okay. They have a few seats inside that are no longer being used. Right. But the piano is inside. But then it's just like that big old open door and then like playing towards outside. And I talked to him and I was like, listen, I'm down to play. You know, I get a little extra money. You know, no big deal. Little tips. People tip me. Yeah. That's not the worst thing. Yeah. So, you know, play three hours or so. I think the idea is to play like three or four times over the next month some Christmas tunes, you know, we're getting the, the Christmas tunes in. I'm mm-hmm. making electric cash. People are drinking wine, mm-hmm. killed it. Everyone was loving it. Uh, but we'll see. I'm definitely playing this Friday, I think. And then we'll see if, uh, old Newsom has something to say about. Yeah. That's about a good the point. That. I, uh, I'm wondering if you're just going to be, are, at what point are you just going to be the Friday night guy? Where everybody just knows it's going to be up on the, like the yeah I the, think it's going to board happen, up there and it says 
featuring John Grossi Friday night. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Do you, do you have a show name or is it just John Grossi? I've been going with John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. I think it's mine if I want it. I just don't think I want it. You don't want the, fr- the well, Friday like, night. I'd have to, they'd have to, to really up the pay. I think for me to say I'm never doing my own thing on a Friday night again. You know? Okay. Yeah. That's like me at Rosini's. They up to the pay to minimum wage instead of zero dollars. So that's why I will be there and not doing my own thing on Friday night. True. You know what I mean? I could, it's a good time. The way I look at it is I'm playing piano for three hours, and then I'm drunk. And then if I want to do something after, I can. So maybe I will be the Friday night guy. We'll see. What do you do? You go six to eight? What's the time slot? Went, Can you tell our listeners what your time seven, slot is? I went seven to ten last weekend. Whoa, a little late night. A little late night. I But if they want to come, I'd get there around seven because who knows if I go a little earlier this time. Okay. Because we're in shutdown or we're in a curfew, right? Well, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about that in a okay. little bit. Okay? okay. Should we get to the interview first? Yeah, we definitely should. We got a great interview. We got David Leonard, New Hope. Grief support. Do we hit that right? Yeah. David Leonard, New Hope, grief support. Dude, the interview was incredible. Well, he's just a great, he's a a great guy. And like, when people are doing something they believe in, the like, you can tell. From the way he talks, he's not bullshitting anyone. No, hell no. This, this, this thing is his life, which is good. It's all... The interview was awesome, and you could just tell the, the passion that he has for what he does. And he's just a pro. He's a pro. Let's get you know, to it. Like he's a pro. Permission to get serious for a little bit? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, this is unlike the rest of our show, which is extremely funny. Yeah. This is this is not. This is not. This is going to be just a little bit serious for you. So everybody, turn down the volume a little yeah. bit. You know, be a little bit silent. Mm-hmm. You know, reflect. Reflect. Yeah. David Leonard, New Hope. Grief support. Greg's a male nurse. Wow. That's great. On the phone, big time guest. It's David Leonard, New Hope, grief support. David, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. How thank are, you. How are you, man? Hey, you know, all things considered, man, I'm better than I deserve, man. Wow. I'm there, you know, I feel, uh, I'm feeling good and I feel blessed, like I say, despite all the, the circumstances happening in the world. Why do you deserve less? Say what now? <laughs> you said uh, you better. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think I do, but I, I look around me, man, and definitely there are people and families who, who, who could, who, who need a little hope and a little love in their lives. So when I look around and see the things that I got, I just feel very grateful and thankful for those things. We got to start thinking like that a little. That's bit awesome. More. Yeah. Um, tell tell the listeners a little bit about uh, just what you do and what New Hope Grief Support is before we get into some of the specifics of this year. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Yeah, so New Hope Grief Support Community, and we, we're New Hope for short. Um, you know, our mission for the last uh, 17 years has been to bring uh, hope and healing into the lives of bereaved adults, children, and families through connection and support. Um, and kind of the way that we do that um, is we do that through support groups, peer support groups that are led by, by kind and caring people, uh, many of whom are alumni through uh, New Hope's programs who come back and get trained and equipped to then lead other grieving people through their journey. Um, so we do groups for adults. We go into Long Beach Unified School District and, and work with bereaved children. Matter of fact, we're even in North Long Beach right now over at Lindbergh Middle School leading a Zoom support group for kids who've been grieving during the pandemic. 
Um, one of my favorite things is we do an an annual family camp. Um, we, we go over to campfire and rent out the whole facility during the weekend. And we are the only, uh, bereavement family camp in Southern California. So we bring in grieving families and, and have them uh, be together. We say we suffer isolation and begin to heal in community. And so we, we, we try to build that grief community. And then finally, we do a ton of education um, and workshops for professionals and counselors and therapists um, and really helping people to understand that, 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 that we're all going to grieve and that it's absolutely normal and okay. Um, but how we respond to that and create safe spaces for people to talk about their grief and their loss and the feelings that come with that is really important and doing that without judgment and realizing that there's no timeline on grief and no two grief journeys are the same. So we shouldn't compare. And so that's what, that's what new hopes about, about building community, breaking isolation, breaking through the taboo around grief and loss and making sure that we see uh, children and families leading healthy and flourishing lives uh, after the death of a loved one. Did you start new hope? I did not. We had a, a wonderful founder. Her name was Susan Beanie. Uh, matter of fact, she's a she's a 90808 um over okay. there, and she worked as a nurse at the Cancer Leukemia Award um, at the VA here in Long Beach. And time and time again would see patients die. She gets to know their families. And this is back in 1986. And she basically took it upon herself to, to create some grief curriculum and did groups as a volunteer um, at the hospital for families from roughly 1986 all the way to 1999 when she was challenged by, by, by some friends in her faith community to rise up, to get out of the seats and into the streets. And, and after much reflection, she decided at 50 years young that she was going to, to, pull, to, to resign from her full-time job, I mind you, with benefits and the whole nine, and to, and to go out and stand in the gap for grieving families in Long Beach and started it. And the way the story goes is six months later, her husband, who was a woodshop teacher in Long Beach, was laid off. And she had just quit her job, and there they were in the second bedroom of their home using it as an office. They wrote letters to everybody they knew. Uh, they raised $15,000 from that letter writing campaign. Um, and New Hope was birthed, and they took the, that seed money, uh, kept, kept hustling, kept grinding to build New Hope, to develop curriculum, to build relationships in the city. And fast forward in 2012, Susan Beanie and her team were on uh, The Secret Millionaire, if you recall that show on ABC. Where the millionaire comes in and is like, surprise, I'm not who you think I am, and here's a big old check. And, oh, uh, wow, sick. That, what? Yeah, that money, yeah, that money was uh, infused, and that's kind of where I enter uh, my own personal story. I lost my mom. I lost my stepmom, and uh, I was working with veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, many of them came in saying, you know, I lost my buddies in combat, roadside bombs. I have survivor's guilt, and spouses saying we lost my our dad, our mom in combat. And so I needed to find a resource for them. And I did hit Google, found New Hope, went to breakfast with Subini um, over at the Village Cafe. And uh, their offices were across the street from there at the time. We decided to partner to help out those veterans. And as soon as we figured that out, she says, and David, what are you doing with all your grief? And for me, um, I was like, what grief? What are you talking about? I have no grief, but deep down, I knew I was off. I was what I what I would call a high functioning griever, right? I could go to school, I could go to work. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time, now my beautiful wife, but you know I knew I was off, guys. And so thankfully Sue got me into a grief group that she was leading. And um, long story short, she knew I used to work in after school with Long Beach Unified, and she says, "Hey, I need a I need a guy like you to come in and work with kids in our in our grief camp." And I said, "What are you crazy? I didn't even want to come to the group." And uh, 
but 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 I felt it in my heart and I did and that was in 2008 I volunteered for five years and then after there on the secret millionaire the, the board of directors created a, a role of director of development I applied I got it and in 2015 Sue Beanie said you know my tour of duty is over I feel like uh, it's time to move on to the next and let the, the let the let the next generation of kids lead and kind of the right place right time and I got to uh, become the executive director of New Hope, and I've been doing it for five years. That's an unreal story. That was incredible. Well, who who was the millionaire? Uh, her name was Hillary De Cesar. Um, at the time, she was leading a company, um, kind of I think believe in partnership with Disney. Um, it was kind of like a safe online chat room slash kind of like Facebook for children. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the company was called Everloop. And she was an amazing woman, man. Huge heart. Matter of fact, to put a cherry on the story, um, Sue Beanie and her husband, Rick Beanie, um, actually ended up doing Hillary's marriage counseling for her and her husband um, before they got married, premarital counseling. And then Rick Beanie uh, married Hillary and her husband. Um, oh, well, that's epic. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's unreal how these things happen. And, you know, just like grief is sometimes is, and death is unexpected. Um, you know, grief is a beautiful mess and we're constantly trying to make, um, take the ashes and make beauty of it. And, and time and time again, guys, like we're hearing stories through new hope and that's exactly what's happening. We're taking, you know, if you'd have told me I grew up in Long Beach, North Long Beach guy, went to Cal State, Long Beach city, if you'd have been like, oh yeah, you, when you grow up, you're going to, you're going to be the director of a grief center. I probably would have taught you a few new words. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but then, and then. You know, and then things happen. You know, my mom was, I loved her to death. She was an opioid addict and, and had her own demons. Um, and I loved her through all of that. And in the end, it took her life, right? Choices. But the reality is it's like my pain and all that hurt have now become my passion, right? And I get to I get to stand in the gap for people and even in young men and women and families who are broken, not just to opioid addiction, other addictions, um, chronic illness, cancer, you name it, accidents, homicide all the above, the things that are taking people's life. But we get to meet them right in their darkest hour um, and be with them to help pick up those broken pieces so that they can be made whole again and reconcile their lives. Um, And for me, that feels exactly where I'm supposed to be, and it feels like uh, a calling. And and every day I kind of pinch myself to remind myself how lucky I am. You ask me, oh, better than I deserve, because it's like really I get to wake up every day and and, and help people and do exactly – what feels good and feels right and, and helping someone that was where I was back in 08 and 09 in my grief journey and, and help bring them forward into the light out of the darkness. That's awesome. That's incredible. Well, I knew it was going to be a success when you guys went to the village cafe to start. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Where are you guys uh, functioning out of right now? That's it. So, we about two years ago we took a we, we we did some strategic planning and we decided you know we used to be over um, in the 908 and where we were at was kind of hidden we were renting some space at a local church and we just weren't we didn't have a lot of visibility and we only had one grief room where we did our adult support groups at night so the way it works are a nine week group uh, we take about no. Um, 10 to 12 adults and two facilitators and they would journey for nine weeks together in the group. And we only had one room to do that. And what I also realized is that we were way over there on that side of town. And a lot of people who needed our services, um, transportation was an issue. They lived in parts of, of Long Beach, you know, maybe there weren't bus stops and other things. And so we strategically decided to decentralize who we were 
So we, we downsize our offices. We're actually over here in the BK now, the Bixby Knowles area. And, but what we did in that first year, we said, look, if we're going to downsize and, and get our offices centralized and decentralize our programming, then we got to work hard and hustle. And we got to find partners who are willing to work with us. So in that first year, we grew from that one little space we had to having almost nine new community partners who opened their doors to us um, pro bono to allow us to provide grief groups. And so we looked at the map of Long Beach, all nine council districts, and we said, look, where do we need to be? Where's the greatest need? Um, and we began just kind of plucking away and making cold calls and asking people if they want to partner with us. And so we had people like the uh, the JFCS step up, Jewish Family Children's Services. We had, we, 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 do, we were doing groups there before the pandemic. Um, we partnered with uh, Rancho Los Cerritos. They were letting us do groups there. Um, a, a number of churches opened their doors. So it's really great because we want to be with the people, right? You do programming not to uh, people. You do program for and with people. And I think that was our model is that we wanted to be with people um, and journey with them. And that looked like us needing to be willing to go into their neighborhoods and do life with them and, 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 and make sure that our program and our model reflected the values and the culture of, of this beautiful city we call Long Beach, right? And making sure that our, our programs were meeting the needs of those families. So I'm excited to say we, we took that risk, but prior to the pandemic, we had almost you know nine locations in almost every council district. Wow. That's unreal. When, when you guys have like grief meetings, yeah, are there like a, a, a grief, grief meeting for people that are in the beginning stages and there's a meeting for pe- people like, is everybody at the same stage yeah. when they go to this meeting or is everybody in a, a different stage? Everyone. So that's a great question. Thank you, Paul. Everyone is in. So like I said, there are no timelines on grief, right? So people say, Oh yeah, the, the, the you know, the, the steps of grief, the stages of grief, like there are no stages or steps. I want to, I want to be mindful of that. Um, we work out of a, a model called from Dr. William Warden. We, he's kind of the godfather of grief. And uh, we, he has four tasks of mourning. There are more tasks, right? Because grief is in the thing. Well, okay. I did anger. Check the box. Okay. I did sad. Now I'm moving on to guilt and shame. Like you can experience any of those things at any given time, right? In your journey, like they come and go, they crash like waves. So what we say is, um, living with grief, dealing with feelings, making changes and moving forward, and then finally making meaning of your life after your loved one is gone. So people are entering the group any, anywhere along the continuum. We actually we, we, we interview and talk to every client before they get in. You know, People can have complicated grief. They can have traumatic grief. When they have those kinds of things, we have partners like the Long Beach Trauma Recovery Center and the JFCS, and we can refer out for people to go and do one-on-one therapy. And then when their therapist thinks they're ready, they'll come on back to the group and they can do those together or they can finish therapy and then come join the group. So it's a case by case. Um, We really just want to make sure that everyone in the group um, is is in a good place to talk about their loss, talk about their feelings. Um, The one thing we do do, though, I'll say is so we recently, um, about a year ago, we decided to launch specialty groups. And so one of the specialty groups we launched was specific to suicide loss. So we had a lot of people coming with that need and, and dropping out of our regular groups because there was just a lot of stigma with it and, and a lot of kind of different feelings and emotions, and they didn't feel like they fit into our general population group. So we started uh, a suicide loss group, and, in, and it has been going strong. We are now in our sixth group for that, and it's led by the original some of the original volunteers that came into that – or excuse me, clients that came into that group who then went on to say, you know, we want to help develop a curriculum and, and we want to spearhead it and lead it. 
and and they did it. And so we they're piloting the new curriculum right now. They're in a group. And I got to say that is the that is our secret sauce right there. Our secret sauce is our volunteers. I'm the only full time staff. We have a part. We have a program manager and some office staff. Um, but we have over 110 active volunteers um, who give of their time, wow. treasure, and talent every year to lead our group. So, and then the other group we're going to be launching is a is specific to child loss. So in the new year, we're 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 gathering ourselves now um, and working with some folks to develop our child loss curriculum. So we'll have general groups, uh, suicide loss groups, and um, child loss groups. Awesome. Can you speak towards some of the challenges for you and and then just the general population? Uh, obviously, your whole mission statement is connecting and getting together. So and now you can't do that. What are your, what are your tips? Um, how has it been a challenge for for grief? And uh, mm. what are your tips to people who are going through any sort of anything right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we like many organizations and businesses thought, oh my gosh. You know, this is going to be impossible. Um, but we, we quickly regrouped and pivoted in March and got on Zoom and learned the Zoom thing. And then, um, believe it or not, we just put the word out there. And people, we, we had a number of groups meeting in person. We had to convert to online. That was definitely what I call training ugly, right? We were training ugly, trying to figure it out. But we got through the through the barriers and challenges. Um, and now people are just used to it. It brings a different level of intimacy. So normally in a grief group, you might sit in a circle and I look across and I see you, John, I see you, Paul. Um, and we see each other's faces and we support one another. What we've learned about zoom is there's something also, um, special about the intimacy where I, I'm like right up in your face. So when you're talking about how your wife died of cancer or you lost a son, a daughter, um, in your, in your emotional and it's like, I'm right in your face and there's something different about that. That's what we've been hearing from our, the feedback from our clients. And so there's a different level of intimacy. And I got to say, we, we normally do about 13 uh, adult grief support groups a year, about one a month. We are now about to close our, our, our 20th group for the year because of all that's going on. And they've all mo- majority have been done through um, zoom and then we also you're talking about tips I and mean, we knew the holidays were coming. We normally do a, a, a home, uh, a new hope for the holiday event. That's big. And we do it over in the, in, in a partner with Park Crest church and work with them and do a candle lighting ceremony and, and bring out tips and different things for how to, how to create a plan around going into the holidays while grieving. And we just knew that wasn't going to happen. So we created home for the holidays, which is a six weeks drop-in group on Tuesday nights. It's actually happening now. We had our second group last night. Anyone listening, you want to register, go to our website. It's completely free. But this is a six-week group to help people um, with, 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 number one, not suffering in isolation. So, right, joining in the community of people who are going through the same stuff. Um, and then talking about ways um, in which they're going to approach the holidays, um, if they're isolated, if they're alone, and they're grieving. So it really becomes a support community and our facilitators are guiding that process, giving people tools and things they need to, to um, navigate these challenging days and times leading up to Thanksgiving, leading up to Christmas. So the group actually goes uh, through mid December. Um, and I'll tell you what, our first group, we weren't sure what to expect. We had 30 people register for that first group. Wow. Um, and then we just had our second group last night. I think we had like 23 people register. So, the need is there. We haven't done a lot of publicizing, um, but we know the need is there. And so we're going to continue to be there. And, you know, people that are going through these times, 
you know, I think it's remembering that we have to manage our expectations of ourselves and those around us that what used to once be can no longer be. And then I kept telling my team that and, um, and our volunteers is like, we need to remember that we, we used to operate here and the bar said high and that we, we, we need to lower that a bit. And it's not that we're lowering our expectations of ourselves or of each other. It's that we're showing grace. Right. And that we're giving ourselves the space to recognize that that these are challenging times and that we also need to practice self-care and take care of ourselves. We know what our what our switches are, our buttons are. We know the things that get us going. We also know the things we need to do to experience peace and mindfulness and, and to be able to to just be because we many of us, you know, we're not just I don't just work at New Hope. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I, I have I wear many hats like a lot of people listening. And so I want to just remind folks like. You know, take the time to invest in yourself. Take the self-care. Don't be afraid to say no to something. It's better to thoughtfully say no to something than to continuing to say yes. And then you have to say no because your health is bad or you're stressed out or you have anxiety or depression. Um, remember, you're, you're numero uno. Um, and, and we have to take care of ourselves because everything else flows from that. And, and so when people get into a support group of New Hope, when they, when they pick up the phone and make that call, we love it because that's them being vulnerable, that's them being authentic, and that's them raising their hand and saying, I need help. And so we, 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 we bring that help, we bring that hope, we bring that healing into people's lives. So anyone listening, like I want to encourage you, like if you're in that space and you're having a hard time, don't be afraid to, to reach out for help. The city of Long Beach has tons of mental health resources. New Hope is here for grief. We can also make referrals to other agencies for, for therapy. Many, many places are offering it at no cost right now, so don't let money – um, or the cost be the barrier to to seeking out help. I I got one more question. Uh, I might be a dumb question. I don't know, but there are no dumb questions. Like, does does grief ever go away? Like, do you do you have to remind yourself that uh, uh, like when you're ever in? I don't know. Does this make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. So grief does not go away, right? As I keep saying, there's no timeline, right? Yeah. So what I mean by that is we change, right? When our loved ones die, um, we're grieving. That's when the, that's when the timeline starts. And some people actually have anticipatory grief, meaning you know someone has a, a chronic illness or cancer and they're dying, and you're already anticipating their death. So you actually begin the grieving process. Um, we need to remember that um, it does not go away. What happens is I think it becomes less intense. So we change, and the grief changes us. You know. You can't go around grief, under grief, over grief. You have to go through grief and you have to go through the process. And, and, and it changes who we are, right? For me, you know, I was running from my grief. I was a high-functioning griever, but I knew I had to go through it. And once I went through it, it was, it was a process. And because I, I chose to do it in a way that was what I considered healthy and I did it with others and I did it in community, um, it in turn helped me to become who I am today. And so... But it doesn't mean I don't grieve, and I'll give you an example. When I, you know, my mom died before I got married, and my mom died before I had my son. And so, you know, um, I'll never forget at my wedding, it was really hard, her not being there. And then when I had the birth of my my son, you know, I remember being at the baby shower, sitting there with my beautiful bride next to me, and all these people looking at us were opening the gifts and all that, and all of a sudden, just boom, I just feel emotional, and I'm, I'm I find myself crying because... You know, I'm having my son and my mom's not here. All these other people are here, but my mom's not here. And so, you know, that was really challenging. So I think it, it's not as intense over time, but, but those waves of grief can still crash over us, especially when we have, 
um, milestones in our lives like graduations and weddings and, and children being born and you name it. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, it continues. Wow. That's amazing, David. Um, this was helpful. I hope some people reach out and, uh, anything else you want to say? I think that was, you seem like you've, you've, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, thanks. thanks. <laughs> yeah, I do want to, I do, I do want to share that November is national children's grief, uh, awareness month. It's a really important month for, for, uh, for New Hope, nationally, one in 14 children or 5.2 million children will experience the death of a parent or sibling by the age of 18. And so, and that number doubles by the age of 25. So that means we're looking at about 13.2 million children in the United States who will be grieving a parent or sibling. So I just want to encourage people to be mindful, educate yourself. We have a lot of resources on our website, newhopegrief.org, um, about grieving children and how, how adults in their lives can support them. They grieve too. So I just want to encourage people, you know, let, let's be mindful, let's be intentional, let's lo- let's continue to support each other and love one another. And um, if we can ever, you know, support families and children uh, who who are, who've experienced the death of a loved one, we're here and we want to help out. And we are just grateful to to you, John and Paul, for all that you're doing to help get um, the word out and to highlight local businesses and, and people doing good work in our city. And you know, I, I'm a big fan. I think we live in one of the greatest cities uh, in the world. And so I'm also grateful to just residents and people of the city um, who make it a beautiful place to live, play, and pray. And so I'm just grateful that I get to play a small role and part in it. Can, can you give us some info on how to contact you, like the website and whatnot? Yeah. So, again, it's uh, newhopegrief.org. And if you want to give us a call, it's uh, area code 562429 zero zero seven five of course you can check us out on uh, social media on instagram new hope grief support and uh, facebook as well it's where we put a lot of our updates and um, upcoming events etc so we hope uh you guys will check us out there david thanks man we, we appreciate uh you joining with us and sharing with us man hey man thank you guys so much too and, and wishing you and yours a, a very safe and wonderful thanksgiving this was awesome. You Thanks, too, David. Brother. Have Appreciate a good one. It. All right, man. You guys be well. Take care. Wow. That's a good message. Took a lot of good stuff from that interview, John. What's the one saying he had? It really caught my caught my ears. I got big ears, but it's it's easy to catch the attention. But this one was wild. He said, uh, get out of your seat and in the street. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Anything else he said sick? He said some other stuff. He said a lot of good stuff. Yeah. But what I really like is he, I enjoy promoting people or like showcasing people who are doing stuff they believe in. Mm-hmm. In that, what you said, get out of the streets, get out of your seats into the streets. It's like people debate over stuff he's doing online for four hours a day, but then don't do anything about like, about, Oh well, this person uh, is like this person's mom died, or this. Oh, then they should be doing this, or like people chat on Facebook and argue over stuff instead of what did he do? He took a, a position in his life. It sounds like his entire life he's taken. He's chosen to go out there and help people who are going through the same thing as him, mm-hmm. rather than say you don't understand what I'm going through. Fight with people. I just I enjoy when people are actually doing what they preach. I, I, I like the way you put that. That's actually a good point. People 
I don't have Facebook. Well, I do have a Facebook, but I don't go on because it's actually a nightmare when you go on there. Yeah, I go on too and, much. And I mean, same thing with Twitter. I started to unfollow a bunch of people that I just had no time for. So now I'm just getting like my sports and whatnot, some funny stuff, just because that's that's what I like. That's what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're right. There, quit. People are just all bark, no bite, John. Yeah. You know, that's our saying, all bark, no bite. Well, we stole that from the ice dogs, whatever. But uh, all bark, no bite. Get out there and do something. Yeah. And he did. And he's doing it. And he's doing it. And he's doing a hell of a job. He is. So if anybody's struggling out there, we got a guy for you, David Leonard, the goat. That, that home for the holidays, that sounds like a good deal there. Yeah, I agree. Every Tuesday, just log into a Zoom. Probably some of this online stuff is, I, I hate it. But it yeah. is, like, inspirational. Yeah. Like, I hate it because I, I think of it, like, as long-term, and that makes me mad. Right, right, but right, like, right. But, like, in the short term, like, this coming Tuesday, like, that'd be a good time. Yeah. Maybe I, I'll hop in there. I don't have a computer. Well, I got one at the office. Maybe I'll just head over to the office on Tuesday. Yeah. You want to hop in together? Yeah, see you there. That'd be sick. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Vince Vaughn and Wilson with our faces Could you imagine? together on the screen. I don't know if we could do it. No, we can't. Do we that. can't do it because we'd have to do separate. Yeah, because together we'd just be electric. Yeah, we'd be too much. I don't want to take over the show. No, I don't either. But with that being said, Bobby Garcia, when you host your like bullshit meetings that you have for hosted by the LB Post, like if you let us do it, you'll have a million more people tuned in. Oh, and they go live. Or they go whatever. live to like update people on the city, and it's hosted by some freaking whack job at the post and they're terrible at it and if they just let us do it so many viewers skyrocket in viewership yeah that's true speaking of bobby garcia uh well first let me can i bring something about myself first remember when i was telling you about how i was going to start how i emailed the people about my ticket (laughs) oh we got legs we got oh boy so i emailed i don't condone any of this no no no, john this isn't john this is me this is me and my beef with Bobby Garcia. John and Long Beach 908. Okay, for all of you people out there who like to t- take snippets of our show and then send them out, take this snippet. John and Long Beach 908 have nothing to do with what I'm doing about my car. So I got a ticket. Remember, 69. I got 69 by Bobby Garcia for that parking ticket. But there's a street sweeping site. No. Parking citation relief program right now. You know this, John. Yeah. Didn't you? Didn't it work out for you? Yeah, it worked out for me. But I, so I email him. I email him. I email Bobby Garcia and his chief of staff. <laughs> how unreal is that? Oh my God. And I basically sent this long email about how it's just disrespectful how you're treating essential workers like myself like this and making me pay $69 in the middle of a global pandemic, John. I don't know if you've heard. People aren't making any money right now. Anyways, so they send me to this other person that I got to talk to. So I send the same email to this guy, and they have, they want no part of me. But I keep responding. Basically, they didn't respond? Bobby Garcia didn't respond, but somebody responded for him saying, hey, you need to send the, take your email to another person to who, who deals with this. Uh, it's parking citation at, at longbeach.gov or some bullshit. I don't yeah. know. And, but it's some person's running the account. I don't know. They're so sick of me. <laughs> so I said the same thing. Have they responded? Yeah, multiple times. I got a, I got one this morning, an update. But I'll, uh, let me let me go backwards a little bit. So I send this email to this guy, and then he says, "Well, 
actually uh the parking relief program is only for street sweeping citations not for any other parking citations so i go on this long bullshit rant about uh it's bullshit that you want to keep or you're not you want people to stay at home that's the reason why uh, the street sweeping citation relief program is is in because they have to leave their cars parked on the streets anyways, John, right? Isn't that why they want to do it? Correct. Right. But I said, that's bullshit because I'm on the front lines. I got to move my car. The office building, I said, the office building parking lot, I couldn't, this is what I said, I couldn't park in the office building parking lot because of the global pandemic. So I had to park at Whaley Park where I got a, uh, I parked, why can't you park in the office parking lot? Well, I didn't tell him why. I just, it's because of the global pandemic. I, I don't want to get my car stolen again out of the parking lot. So I don't want to park there. It'd be a nightmare if I had my car stolen during a global pandemic, you know? Sure. I didn't tell him why. I just said, that's the reason why, but I didn't tell him that anyways. So I parked there. That's where I got my ticket. Cause I parked 10 minutes over the limit or whatever. But now they're saying that they can't relief that ticket because it's not a street sleeping ticket. So I'm in the middle of this, this, Back and forth with some random ass fool who's running the account over there uh, at City Hall. I don't know what he's doing. And I basically kept saying, it literally makes no sense why you're going to relieve somebody's street sweeping, but you can't relieve mine when it's literally the same thing, the same reason, basically. And, uh, (laughs) And finally, they emailed me this morning. They said, What's your parking citation number? Oh, we got a little legs, John. I might get that sixty. They're probably gonna back. put a freaking like notice out for you. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I got a new car, so they, there's nothing they could do about it. Now they don't know what my car is. True. He, well, I got a new. It's pro white. I'm not gonna tell them what kind anymore. I'm not gonna tell them the license plate number. But that's what we're dealing with now. Here's what I think you should do. Huh? Pay the ticket and move on with your life. No, I already did. You already paid the ticket, but you want them to send you back money. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's so the, the second part of that was move on with your life. No, no, no. It's content. This is for content. I, by oh, the way, boy. here's the deal. I don't care one bit that I paid 69 bucks. I got cash. It don't matter to me. But I'm just pr- I'm trying to prove a point. Hey, Bobby Garcia, quit trying to steal my money. You know, I know you're out to get me. True. A little content. If I get this money back, I run the city. I, I win. <laughs> I'm up to, I've, I take over the top spot. Am I wrong? <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, Am I wrong? Best of luck to you. I might get it today. You're gonna, hey, you're gonna feel sorry that you weren't on the right side of history. You want to hear some bullshit? <laughs> I do want to hear some bullshit. This is a, this is a much more real problem than you're going through. Well, sixty nine bucks, y'all get a lot of stuff for that. True. Uh, and I'm on the front lines. Thank you for your service. I'm in day three of having a tiny shell of a sunflower seed stuck in the back of my throat that's a nightmare it is a fucking nightmare how do you get it out i can't get it out where is it it's so far back but like it's too like if you like i gag and cough it's it's not deep enough for that but it's like too deep to gargle i've tried like pushing it through with food tea alcohol I, I, i definitely tried that i got a i got a pick thing that and now I don't know if it's still there or if I just fucked up my gum so bad it feels like it's there. Oh no! Like my throat. Oh no! You got to be careful with that because if you don't stick your fingers in your mouth, you'll get sick. I'm just telling did. you that. I already did. You're gonna get sick. You can't do that. Why? I don't know. 
Well, because you 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 got stuff on your hands. You put it in your mouth. Your mouth. You know what I mean. Then you're all of a sudden you got the Rona. We don't need that. That's true. Not for this. Not for this show. Even though the this content is will be miserable. Electric. If this thing doesn't end, I, that might be it for me. <laughs> <laughs> like what? What am I gonna do? Just have a, a seed stuck in my throat no. for the rest of my life? No, you can't. It's three days it's been in here. I think you just got to keep getting drunk, and then one of these days it's just going to go away. Yeah. Just keep shotgunning. How about that? Which Shotgun. Is, which Beer is bombs. a real shame because I enjoy sunflower seeds, but now yeah. I'm a little scared. I got a little PTSD. Uh, That's a good... I'm glad you brought that up. My tooth's broken still. I'm never going to be able to eat sunflower seeds again. Really? I can't eat them. I mean, I could go to the left side, but I'm not used to that. No. No, I'm a, I'm a I'm a seed in the in the left cheek guy. Seeds in the left cheek. Bring it over with the tongue. Put it on the right. Yeah, tooth. crack. Bang it open. bang, I'm good. But now my tooth's broken. I can't eat anything hard. I tried to eat popcorn yesterday. It hurt. You know, popcorn's one of my favorite snacks. I gotta yeah. call him. I just don't want to be a bitch. You don't want to go to the dentist. Well, I've I've been multiple times, and I don't know what they do. They haven't done anything, but they just hurt you more. It's just the pain's still there. They don't have. They haven't done anything. They've like fixed the filling or whatever. Like they keep like grinding the filling or whatever. I think they need to put more. I'm not an expert. This is why I want to go to dentistry school. <laughs> that that way, that'll really prove a point. I won't be a bitch at all. They won't see me again. I'll just be my own dentist. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you should go to dentistry school. That would get bad, and then just. And then you can email your dentist in three years and say, told you. <laughs> well, I, I like my dentist. I think my dad coached him back in the day. I went to Milliken. Good dude. He's friends with my brother. Great dentist, by the way. If you need to go, you should go to him. But it's just that my does, tooth. Does he up. have a name? Well, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to. Oh, you're defaming him. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Because I want people to go. But he's still a great dentist. But they're it's, not going to go tooth. if they don't know yeah, who it is. Exactly. Well, yeah. You just got to guess. <laughs> Context clues. Context clues. Yeah, true. Who's the only dentist that played baseball at Millican High School? Yeah, that's a good Probably. Point. All right. Uh, what was I going to do? Oh, we're going to talk about the, the, sh- the shutdown. Sorry that I was talking about myself. I don't, I don't mean to hijack the show. No, no. I, you don't talk about yourself enough. Right. I agree. Uh, let's talk about the shutdown. So, old Vinny Noose, your boy... He pulled the emergency brake. That's what he called Called it. What I, so I don't watch the news. So you got to fill me in. I know people are freaking out, but I don't know exactly what happened. He said he, he pulled the emergency brake on the, the coronavirus protocols because we're in the purple tier. Well, he put everybody in the purple tier. Most restrictive, uh, restrictive protocol. But for L.A. County, we've been at that tier. So, I don't, so people keep freaking out. I think people are freaking out because we're not trending in the right direction. We're like going backwards. But he's putting the state of California in the purple tier, meaning no indoor dining anymore for like Orange County or whatever. No gyms. I'm assuming like what else was like nail salons? I don't know. Are they Dunzo again? I'm not 100% sure what it means. But LA County's been in that tier the whole time. Right. Like outdoor dining's okay still. We're just not trending in the right direction to finally get inside. Gyms have I been mean, closed in, in L.A. County, no? Am I wrong about that? Yeah. They're, well, they're open outside, which I think they still are. Yeah, they are. 
Yeah, so I don't know why everyone's freaking out. But they did say about this curfew thing, I think that means they're just going to put a curfew on businesses. So, like like restaurants that are open till 11 or whatever, they're going to put, make them be home at like 9. At 10. At 10, which, look, that makes absolutely no sense to me. And I get what he's trying to do by saying, hey, everybody stay home instead. Don't go out or whatever. But there's literally not one difference between being outside at 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. Right. The virus isn't deadlier at 10. Well. It could be. But it just, it literally makes no sense. And it all goes back to the thing where I've been saying for, since day one of the whole thing, if people want to go outside, let the people go outside. And if the people want to stay home, let them stay home. And don't shame anybody for it. Who cares? Right. Uh, and then don't go see your grandparents who are 90, you know, it, that's how you protect people. It, it saddens me about the businesses, the business, the businesses are going under and it's messed up. And if you put a 10 PM curfew on businesses, that just means people are going to go to each other's houses at 10 PM. We've already seen this happen once. Right, right, right. right. Unless you're going to literally make it illegal to be outside, which you just can't. There's Which is no so way. problematic. I mean, that's just like. There's no way. There's no way you could take away those personal liberties. So all you're doing is just is just making one group of, of businesses pe- suffer. It just like doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how they don't see that. I, like I said, I just think that they're lazy. I've been saying that. They're, they don't want to have to deal with I just the problems I, that might happen. But I just so strongly wish there wasn't this mindset that our governor, our president, our mayor right. needs to save us. Right, 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 right. And right. they feel like they need to save us. Right, and I just I don't think that that's – I just don't understand that. How many people are sitting at home and saying, like, we live or die by what Gavin Newsom puts into law? Like, no, that's not who controls your life. That guy probably can't shoot a jumper better than you. Well, who are you talking to? Me? You. Well, there's no chance. That's what I'm saying. I played him the other day. I was at his dinner party at his winery. Isn't that crazy? And then we went out back and shot hoops. (laughs) Did you see him out there with the... He got torched for it where he was just like at a party or something? I I don't know how anyone is letting him put these laws on us and letting him break his own laws. He should be out of... like, And the Nancy Pelosi thing. Yeah, with when she was uh, at a nail salon or a hairdresser, get without a mask or something. When she, when literally the hair salons were closed. Right, right, right. They were closed. Yeah. If a politician breaks a law that they particularly made, how are they still in office? I don't get that. This is why. Like, I'm, say what you want. If you want the laws, that's fine. But then, then, then we should keep those laws and get rid of the people breaking them if they're in power. The fact that Gavin Newsom steps foot out of his house is kind of a joke to me. Right. Because he wants everybody else to stay inside. So why doesn't he stay inside? He's a, it's funny to think about it, but he's just a normal ass dude. Like if I saw him like walking around out there, he'd just be like, I'd be like, oh, this guy kind of sucks. Yeah, he stinks. Look at him. <laughs> nah, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I have a feeling the uh, the rats yeah, listening. He's going to send week. that to him. Yeah. But don't, don't ban me from your winery. Uh, yeah. What did we say? We said we 
we will talk good about Governor Newsom if he invites us to his winery. That, and he has That's to pay. A, that is, he oh yeah, pay. he has to pay, of course. Yeah. Or Bobby can pay for us. That's fact. That is a fact. I'm just pissed. You know what? Rules just, are rules. You put them in, you got to follow them. That's what I always say. Yeah. I went, uh, well, I go out to eat all the time. And there's something to be said about getting out of your house. It feels good. And you can literally go with the people in your house to out of your house and sit somewhere and not talk to anyone. These these servers are wearing a mask and a shield. They're battling out there. Those They're servers. battling. Yeah. I do not envy that. Like the, Like, they're literally following every guideline you give them. It is the people going to restaurants and the people going to shop at small businesses are not the ones who are putting people in danger. Right. It's literally people gathering at their homes and throwing parties, going to visit their family, and going to every single grocery store, Lowe's, Target. I mean, that's where all the crowds are. The people going to uh, protest or the people going out celebrating, like all those people on, I don't know. I know we don't like to talk about animal cruelty on this show, but we're beating the, we're beating a dead horse right now. That's true. But it's, I mean, it's true though. I don't know. Do people not think that way? It just saddens me because I feel like, I feel like I've been in different situations during this pandemic where I'm in different various risk factors and right. I've always felt one of the safest places I've been is at a restaurant. Yeah. And if you're going to a restaurant with a bunch of people not from your household, then you're probably going to do that at your house. Exactly. If you don't go to a restaurant, you're just going to invite them over. But for those of us who are following the rules and are just like can't be cooped up in a house, little, people aren't going to the office anymore, they're not seeing anyone, it's nice to get out of your house. The people I'm lucky enough to not live in an apartment, but some of these people in these small apartments... They need to get out of their house. Get some fresh air. Change the scenery. It's important. Let me watch a TV somewhere else. Games are still being played, John. Games are still being played. It was nice to have the Masters, but now we're just, you know, the Masters are over. I know. Nothing to look forward to anymore. And usually when the Masters are over, you got a whole you got a whole golf season ahead of you. No, we I don't. Know. No, we don't. Yeah, it's, it's actually sad yeah. if you think about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we just don't have to talk about it anymore. That, that, the curfew thing's an absolute joke. It's not going to affect me one bit. His emergent, pulling the emergency brake because cases have gone up or whatever. I mean, that doesn't affect me at all. Like it's LA County has been shut, shut down anyways. Right. Where are we've been? We've been in this. In the it makes so much sense tier. that the. I mean, the numbers are going to keep going up during the winter. That's how every virus in history has gone. Right, and flu. The flu. The flu Cold. always goes up around this time. Colds yeah. always go up. Ah. Sit like it's just like it's going to go up. I mean, we and people are going to get it. it. Like, I I just it's it's at some point, and also you can't cancel Thanksgiving. By the way, they people keep talking about like don't have Thanksgiving with your family or whatever. Like you can't. Nobody's gonna be able to like track that, <laughs> you know? Right. Like I'm gonna go to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, 
I mean, they can. I'm ir- not gonna go breathe in my mom's mouth. They can, ir- but you know, <laughs> but like I'm, I'm gonna be there. I'm not gonna miss right. out on freaking my favorite holiday of the year. Right. They can urge people to do whatever they want. Right. You could do what you want. And people are gonna do what they want. And if I you want to stay home. I do that's think fine. Thanksgivings are gonna be a lot different this year. Like I do think a lot of people are going smaller, but that's fine. That's good. Not me. I'm gonna get blacked. Like same as always. <laughs> I'm going to have the same old Thanksgiving. Watch a little football, get a little sauced, mm. eat a billion pounds of turkey, pass out at like 7, wake back up at about 10 or so, eat some more, watch a movie, bang, bang, that's it. What a day. <laughs> and then it's Christmas. And then it's Christmas. Yeah. It's huh? not too bad. Doesn't that sound fun? It's not too bad. All right. Uh, that's all I got for that. You got anything else? Nah. Okay. I got a little news here for you. I don't know if you saw this. My good friend Stacy Mungo sent me an email the other day. You ever get it? Yeah, I get it. Uh, I, are they putting a turf field at El Dorado? El Dorado Park? They've been talking about it for nice. years. Have they? Because I got an email that says that they're ready to do it. A soccer field? Yeah. Uh, West Area Soccer Field, number one. All-weather turf field. What's What's the West Area? The one... The one by the golf course, uh, the one on the golf course. I think so. I think the one closest to Stearns. Stearns. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Cause that'd be sick. Yeah, that's a big ass field too. That is a big ass field. How are they going to be able to maintain that? Like you don't have to. You just got to get new turf every like ten years. I mean, they probably have to maintain the grass. It's probably the same thing. Like someone mows that grass. That's right? true. That's true. Uh. They've been talking about this for a long time. This is like at least three, three or four years in the making. Really? Yeah. Pre-pod, There's like a lot of deb- pre-pod. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably. And uh, there's been a lot of like debate on what they should do with that. I remember it was like a whole thing about sports facilities and like, I think they're debating on whether or not to do turf. I didn't know they made a decision. I don't know if they made a decision either because there's a meeting for it. They're doing a meeting. Oh. Thursday, December 3rd from five to six. On Zoom? I'm not sure. Sent me the meeting was running along. Presidents wanted more info. Scheduled a follow up duck pond meeting. There's a duck pond too. Oh, nice. I don't know. Oh, they're doing improvements for the duck pond. What? What? What do you have to improve for the duck pond? Are you gonna get them like freaking water slides and shit? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They're ducks. That would be incredible. They're ducks. I'm actually for that. That sounds. Awesome. I mean, that'd be sick. I I would love to watch that. I don't know. I mean, that's cool. I'm pumped if they do put a field in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i only pumped if it's still good for public use. Like, you know, a lot of people go over there and play. Yeah, you're and right. Like the the you're dude's right. playing on Sundays over there. And, like, kids going over to practice when no one's using it. Right. Like, I get it. Are you going to have to reserve it I now? I get it that, like, some high schools play there and some clubs play there, too. But I would hate to see... I hate the fencification of sports facilities. The fencification? Yeah. Is that a word? I just made it up. That's sick. It. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I know like, what you mean. All of a sudden, everything's private, and everyone's like... You have to reserve the field 17 days in advance, some bullshit. Yeah, and then they're like, well, if we need to keep it nice, we need to keep it nice. It's just like, listen, sports are sports. Obviously, nicer stuff is cooler, but like... To me, it's more important that a public park serve a lot of people to make them like we've been having fun on that that soccer field for fifty years. Right. 
it would be a little bit nicer if it's turf, but it'd be a lot less nice if it's two, like two high schools and a club team sharing a turf field for rather than six days a week, the community who has made great use out of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's my rant. I like that. That's good. I'll take that to the bank. Okay. Uh, I got a couple more things for you, John. Stop the fencification of sports facilities. No more fencification. I got a, uh, this is a, a request from Michelle K, our favorite player, our favorite person. Favorite player. <laughs> She's our favorite player too. Uh, she is our funeral planner. Yeah. Michelle true. K. Uh, she wants to know, this is what she said. Please talk about how Betts wasn't voted MVP on next shoot your shot. I don't get it. So Mookie Betts, your boy, Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. didn't win MVP in the National League this year. Freddie Freeman did. Freddie Freeman, local guy, El Medina. Uh, didn't play against him, but he was there when he was he – was, I played his team the next year. Got it. Right, whatever. Uh, Freddie Freeman won the MVP. This is what I'll – this is how I'll break it down. Baseball writers are – Freddie Freeman had a big year, and so did the Braves. So did Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts had a big year. This is how you got to break it down. Baseball writers are the absolute worst. It's just a bunch of old dudes who are, who are shitty, and what their thought process was probably was Bellinger won the award last year, right, in the National right. League. Did he not? Bellinger won the award last year. He was a Dodger. For one, they probably didn't want to give it to a Dodger again. A little voter fatigue is what they call that, don't right. they? Probably didn't want to give it to Bellinger. Another thing is if there's already one MVP on the on the team who's supposedly the most valuable player, and then you have another guy who joins the team, how valuable is this guy then if his to his team if they already like have so many sick-ass players on their team? Right. Does that make sense? And so, I'm not saying anything. So not the best player in the league, but most valuable player to a team, and then it gets into like right, whatever that like. And like the Dodgers were that sick last year, anyways. Yeah. Without him, you know. But he did have a big year, and Mookie Betts already has an MVP award in the American League. A little voter fatigue there for you. That's the reason why baseball writers are the worst, and we don't need them. They're garbage. They <laughs> fall. They. It's the same dudes that have been following the game since like 1915. When everybody was terrible, you know, they're throwing 60 miles per hour and you have to like shake everyone's hands while you round the bases after you hit a home run. You know what I mean? You have to say like, Hey, sorry for hitting the home run. Sorry for hitting the home run. Sorry for hitting the home run. Instead of like pimping the shit out of it and acting like, Hey, that was pretty sick. You know, people are watching us on TV. Let's have a, put on a show. It's a TV show. Right. Entertainment, you know? Anyways, that's my little rant why Freddie Freeman won over Mookie Betts. Same numbers, just about, but baseball writers are awful. Works for me. And if Barry Bonds doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, we got problems. Well. I'm just saying. Change the game. When is the uh, vote? I, I don't know. I think Jeter's going in, though. Your dog. Yeah, Jeets. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, he's going in. Him and... Uh, Larry Walker, I think. Yep. I think they're going in. And then there's a nut. No brainers. They were in last year, but they got canceled because of the virus. Oh. Did it? I think that's what happened. So now they're going to have 
the 2021 class and the 2020 class going at the same time. How many are allowed to go in? I don't know. Huh. I don't know how the voting works. Like you have a certain time limit of when you can go in and then you're up. But then I think you get back in like after 20 years or something. I don't I don't know. Because there's all these old fools that go in. Yeah. Random ass old dudes that get in, that didn't get inducted. I don't know. But that's my quick Michelle K. I mean, she's our funeral planner, so I got to do anything for her. Right. Whatever she requests, we talk about. Uh, quick juju, good, good juju, bad juju for you, John, before we shut her down. You ready for this? Yeah. Good juju, bad juju. You tell me. He scores a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster last week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Scores a touchdown. Celebrates by taking the ball, throwing it into the stands to his family who's up there in the stands. Good juju, bad juju. Good juju. Why? Because who cares? I think it's bad juju. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, John. But it's his family. Is it? If you had said to the fans, but, I was, well. Well, how many people touched that football? Oh, bad juju. But are they in a bubble? And Big Ben was a close contact with coronavirus people. Mm. And I'll tell you who threw the touchdown pass. Big Ben. But. Juju threw to his own family, so technically that's on him. That's true. Okay. So it's good Juju then. So it wasn't some like random innocent bystander. It was his mama who can ground him. That's true. I like that. That's so a good, good spin. So Juju's grounded. Yeah, we've grounded Juju. Yeah. Can't play next week. Nope. Mama said no. Good thing they're playing the Jaguars, who are whack. It blows my mind the NFL is happening right now. <laughs> I know. Like I just I love it. I just like the world feels so different that I just like can't get into NFL. I guess I just never get into oh, NFL. Yeah, this is no different but from so, normal. But sometimes I do a little bit. Okay. Eh. I love it. And it's not even that much different because of the sound on the TV. I would love to go to a game. But like they play the crowd noise, so it sounds like a regular-ass game. Right. All right. That's it. That's all I got. You got anything else? You want to talk about anything? No, I'm struggling. Deadline week. Yo, true. How we doing? We're okay. We're looking good, but I like just you know. I mean, you not, s- here's the deal. Not sleeping a lot, just working. You say that every week that we're doing okay, and then you're up till seven a.m. on the deadline. <laughs> yeah, day. that's true. Every single time, it's it, it, it don't matter. matter. You could you could have started five weeks ago. Yeah, that's it, true. It, the same thing would happen. So just keep that in mind. Uh, okay. I got this thing in the back of my fucking throat. Yeah. It's brutal. I wish I could take it for you. For take it from you. For, yeah. For just a sec. It's weird. Okay, let's get to the 908 after the week. Good call. 908 after the week this week is Peyton Watson. Did you oh, see this? No. So they they're doing a I guess it was a 3 on 3 tournament. ESPN posted this. There's a 3 on 3 tournament somewhere with a bunch of different like prospects i don't know here's another h word here for you i don't like to use the h word but people will talk about how you need to stay home but then celebrate when like all these people are playing in a three-on-three tournament in some random ass gym yeah right right they so many people posted about this like hey that look how sick this was that Peyton Watson freaking he won this tournament, I guess, and he played against the top prospect in basketball 
uh, like 2021 or something. I don't know. Some seven one full big ass white dude. Jeez. Can't believe he's nasty though. And then Peyton Watson, the player from Pauly, dunks on this guy to win the tournament, three on three tournament, or whatever. Happy. Yeah, pretty sick. Uh, first off, uh, Peyton Watson is our guy. We uh, were the first on him. Were we not the first ones on him? We we recognize his talent at a young age. At a young age. Eighth grade. Well, he was in ninth grade. His younger brother was in eighth grade and Torsha's for 70. Uh, he put up 70 points against us. Beat him. We still beat him. We said well, just... It's, it's, we, it's team sport. We said don't let anybody else beat us. And no one else did score. <laughs> I don't think anyone else scored. And uh, we we won. But we, his, his it was lo- a close game. And what we said was his older brother's got to be sick if this guy dropped 70. Yeah. And we were the first ones on him. And now he's the top prospect in California. Going to UCLA. He signed. Oh, good. But he won this three-on-three three tournament. Who's their coach? Mick Cronin at UCLA. Hmm. Used to coach Cincinnati. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Bald guy. Yo, I know. Weird. He doesn't look He doesn't look like a UCLA guy to No, me. he doesn't. He Looks does. like a Cincinnati guy. He does. <laughs> he does. All right. That's all I got, John. You got anything else? Uh, your rating is uh, seven seven point one. Yeah. Yeah. It was just right there in the middle. It was. Yeah. It, it was wasn't a fastball. great. I didn't. I didn't bring it today, but it it's deadline. You know what I am going to bring it for? Huh. huh. Is the Thanksgiving special? Holy shit! I forgot. If the, if you're a new listener, if you don't know about our Thanksgiving special, whoo! The Thanksgiving episode for Shoot Your Shot is the best episode of the year. It's just like Gossip Girl. You know how Gossip Girl, every episode, every Thanksgiving episode uh-huh. is the best? Mm-hmm. This is the best episode of the year. Yeah. So I'm going to get this deadline done on Tuesday. We'll record on Wednesday. And oh boy, are you going to... Well, you're going to be socially distanced for your Thanksgiving. That's true. So good thing Paul and John are there to cheer you up. Fire me the hell up, John. Here Fire we go, me baby. The hell up. Woo, woo. All right, John. Life is great in the 908. Shoot or shoot. So shoot your shot. Stop me, your game looks sloppy, you need more practice, maybe you like this, to enjoy the game by midway, I can drive around you, even shoot a trait, a three-point threat, no sweat, you can bet, back it out and fade away our net, hang time. What you wanna do? Tell me, what you gonna do when I come through, bang? You know the rules, crossover dribbles, taking you to school like that next time. Remember who you're playing, you get no mercy. Know what I'm saying? If you reach, I'ma teach. Too fun to lay up, catch you on a rebound, game over, stay up. Yeah, what you gonna do when I come through? Oh, what you wanna yeah. do? Hang time, y'all. You know what I'm saying?